welcome back to What the Fertility Season 2. We have Stevie Lemke on with us today, and she is going to talk about her whole testimony with DOR, low AMH, endometriosis, her six rounds of IVF, and her whole entire journey. So we're just so excited you're here, Stevie. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're super glad to have you. Um, Six retrievals. That's kind of what stuck out to me. That's um, that's a lot. A lot. So when did your, I mean, so is it about three and a half years? So was that, gosh, I can't do math. 2019, 2018, when this started for you? Yeah. Yes. So we got married in March of 2019 and started trying immediately. We got married in March, 2019 too. That's awesome. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, right. It's so true. Um, did you at this point have any indication that you had like endometriosis or any kind of like fertility issues on like the horizon? Did you think that was going to happen or? No, no. Um, we started trying and I'm pretty like all in. So we did the OPKs and all of the things right away. Like there was no messing around. Um, I think I was 31 at the time. So I had felt like it had taken so long to find this person. I just didn't want to wait. Um, and then about six months in, nothing had been working and I knew that we were doing everything right. So I was like, there's something up, what's going on? Um, so we went to, I went to like a little fertility clinic in my town. I think they had just opened. Um, they just do IUIs and um, timed intercourse and letrozole, stuff like that. And they did my AMH and it was super low. I think at that first draw, it was like 0.221. So really low. Um, and they didn't really make it seem like it was a big deal. They were just like, oh, it can fluctuate. It's not a big deal. And I Googled, obviously, and it's <laughs> <laughs> like, this looks like a big deal. You're like, this doesn't seem like um, um, they still assured me that it can fluctuate and they just they said that they didn't really look at it too much until people turned 35 which is frustrating that that was kind of the answer I was given and that's so interesting that you went straight to a fertility clinic I feel like we don't really hear that that much uh usually like you have to go to your OB and then you kind of graduate and then go to the fertility clinic so that's cool that you were able to go straight to a fertility clinic yeah yes so they told me kind of the options of everything and that it all seemed super overwhelming. So <clears throat> we spent probably like another six months of doing all the natural things. So like acupuncture and chiropractic and um, I saw a naturopath and all of those things. And then still with that, you know, nothing was working. So uh, then we started letrozole cycles and then timed intercourse cycles and at some point in there they were concerned that I wasn't ovulating um I wasn't like producing a mature follicle some cycles so then we started doing gonal gonal f like small doses with pretty much everything um and then went into IUIs and I just remember that season being very all-consuming and I was still trying to keep like my life together and do trips and stuff like that on top of all of that and I was just I just remember being so frustrated that I had to deal with this and feeling like very all-consumed yeah. So this is so interesting. I think you're one of our first guests to really bring up the chiropractic piece. I just kind of wanted to go back to your natural, natural, you know, like without IVF or alternative reproduction um, technology. What I'm curious personally, cause I was about that close to doing chiropractic work for fertility. What kind of stuff did you guys do with a chiropractor? Well, I guess what they explained to me is there's certain nerves that can be pinched or, you know, blocked that they 
they send the receptors everywhere to your whole body. So to your brain, to, you know, there's ones in your lower back and ones in your upper neck that affect fertility. And I remember I didn't want him to adjust my neck. I was so freaked out by it. <laughs> oh, um, but that. he's like, we really need to do this. Right. I just <laughs> so love that you, like, I mean, okay. a lot of people think like everyone like with infertility or struggling to just go straight into IVF or IUI, but I really love that you tried that natural approach first. Um, and then you get to the point where it sounds like there was like, you, you weren't ovulating. Is that kind of what the end goal or end result was on top of the diminished ovarian reserve? Yeah. I guess sometimes I think I was ovulating and sometimes <laughs> I guess I wasn't. So it's pretty, pretty unclear. Was your OPK showing that you were? I'm curious of that. Like, cause I know you said you were doing it. Yeah. So I've heard both things that like, it shows that it was like a surge, but like you technically still weren't ovulating. Yeah, there was times where there was a surge and then they would do an ultrasound and they would say like, there's no way, like this isn't a mature follicle. So I don't know if maybe I was ovulating immature follicles. I don't yeah. know if that's a thing, but. I think it um, is. I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So at that point you had done IUIs when you identified you weren't ovulating or quote unquote, you weren't ovulating or you were just kind of still starting that process. We, that was in the beginning of IUIs. So we continued to do those, I don't know, those and letrozole cycles and timed intercourse with the gonol for maybe like eight months. It was a long wow. time. Eight months. I That's feel like a long time. Yeah. Cause like with IVF, you don't also have to do timed intercourse, but it's like timed intercourse and shots. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so much. Oh my goodness. And are you like working and everything at this point? Like doing that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of eight months, it was. Did you? Yeah. Not- so then we did an IVF consult and decided to start with that. And my um, doctor was really sure that it would just be like one and done, um, super positive. So that's kind of what I expected. And we went into it, did the shots. And um, I think it was like day six of meds, we went in for an ultrasound and there was only like two follicles growing. And they were like, okay, we're going to cancel. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't even I know that was a done. thing. Oh. You just made such a good point. Yeah. I didn't even know this was a thing, right? Like that was that was like my biggest fear going into IVF because I like had researched everything and I was like, wait, you can get it canceled after all that work? Yeah. Yeah. After all the meds that you've already injected and spent and, and paid for. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and my clinic is four hours away from where I live. Oh my so, goodness. um, yeah, I wanted to, I was going to yeah. bring it up. You said over 1200 miles. Was that the clinic you drove that far? Yeah, no, that's a different clinic that I okay. go to later, but <laughs> this one was four hours away. How do you so, do monitoring when it's not far? So I would go to like an imaging center that was local or like that smaller fertility clinic um, that was in my town. And they had a satellite clinic that was two and a half hours away. So that was a little bit easier, but I remember that first one that was canceled. They, that it was a Sunday. And so like only the main one was open. So I drove four hours just for them to be like, never mind, we're oh, gonna cancel. Gosh. Oh. And I'm assuming all of this was during COVID. So was your husband allowed to come with you or was this like a one-man show? Um, he wasn't, he's still not allowed <laughs> so, in that clinic. They don't really allow anything. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. Especially hearing like those kind of news and then you're by yourself and then to have to drive four hours by yourself. Oh gosh, no, I could not. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So then we started over and we did um, like a different protocol with priming. It was like estrogen priming. My doctor was really confident about that. Um, And then I think we had pretty much the same result. (laughs) We had, I think, two or three follicles growing. So at that point, it was just 
okay, like this is what we're gonna get. Um, so we moved forward and did a retrieval and ended up, I think getting four eggs. And then we ended up with two blastocysts and we did a fresh transfer. Um, and that one resulted in a chemical. So I don't remember having like a lot of feelings about that. I was just like, okay, let's go on to the next one. I have so many questions just for that first round of IVF. So for listeners, um, I know you touched on estrogen priming. Do you, can you kind of touch on that or like what that's supposed to do to the body compared to not doing that for IVF or? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> that's such I, a I, I, they just, so many it's okay. I did it too. And I have no idea what it did for me. So it's fine. So what is, but you guys just took extra pills or? Yeah. Okay. I I did it with that and testosterone. Oh yeah. That's, I never did testosterone and I always wanted to, but. Okay. So an extra pill that you added. Gotcha. Well, maybe I'll figure it out and add it to the blog. So we we can all know, but, um, that's really interesting that you didn't have like a lot of emotions with the chemical pregnancy because did you test prior to your beta or they kind of gave you like a low beta from the beginning? And I just want to add, I'm really sorry for your loss. That's rough. Oh, thank you. Um, no, I didn't test at all. So I was just like waiting. Oh yeah. So I didn't test. And, um, I just waited for the phone call and I think they had told me that my number was low, so they didn't give me like much hope about it. So then the second beta, I, the number dropped and that was that. Yeah. And you had another, you had another, um, embryo, correct? So you could try again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was really focused on that, just wanting to like move forward um, so then we started a transfer protocol for that and, um, my lining didn't thicken. So that first transfer protocol, we ended up canceling too, because my lining never got thick enough. And that was frustrating too. Cause it was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I already have enough time, hard time with the, getting an egg. And then now my lining is all of a sudden going to be an issue too. Oh, this first party, yeah, I, the first part of your story. Have you guys seen that like little infographic on Instagram where it's like IVF line baby? And then it's like the reality is IVF and it goes all over the place. I mean, I just feel like you continue to learn more and more things that can go wrong with a process that when you start, you think is pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I had only done you know, lots of gonal cycles and like mini stim and stimulation cycles and I had had great lining so I didn't know like why now with yeah but I guess I mean it's just different every time when you take that estrace sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't so so did you start it again yeah I was gonna say did you go right back into another cycle or do you how long do you have to wait in between is there a waiting process we just went right back into it but it did feel like a while because you have to wait for, you know, the second half of that cycle to happen and, and cycle day one and all of those things. And I think too, coming off of a loss, you're probably just more and more antsy to get to baby. Yeah. I was so impatient in that period. I was just, you know, I, I thought it was going to happen quickly too. So I was like, we're almost there. We just got to like, keep going and it'll, it'll work. Right. So we did another transfer protocol. Um, I think we added more estrogen. Um, and then that time it did get thicker. And so we ended up in doing a transfer and that transfer did work. And um I had a positive beta I didn't test again so and I didn't have any symptoms that second time whereas the first time I did so the second time I just didn't think that it had worked at all and I remember when the nurse called me and told me that I had a positive beta I I immediately went and peed on a test because I didn't believe her yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, and then there's the beta hell waiting for that second beta. Um, and then the second one didn't, didn't rise very much. It didn't double. Um, it, it went up a little bit. So I really only got those two days to enjoy it, I guess. And then you're just more betas after that, waiting another two days, doing another beta. It rose a little bit more, but still not double. And then the fourth beta, it shot shot up to, I think, like 800. And then previously, it had been 200. Um, so then at that point, they, they said, oh, okay, like, this might be fine. You might, this might work out. Um, and then it's, then they were concerned about an egg topic because my betas had been so crazy. So we didn't ultrasound early. And there was a sack, but nothing else. But then, you know, it was early. So then you're waiting another week, go back in. It was kind of the same thing, a sack. They couldn't really see a fetal pole. Um, and I think I was like maybe seven weeks at that point. So that wasn't good. Um, and then, but it's still waiting another week to go back in again and finally like get that confirmation. So that that whole process. Yeah. I was very depressed in that time period because yeah, it's just, you're just waiting, waiting and waiting. And it takes everything. I I don't know how this story ends for you with this pregnancy, but it sounds very similar to when I had my blighted ovum. Um, We did the same thing. It was like beta slow rise. And then they tell you, okay, you're in the clear. And then you go into the ultrasounds and it's just constant waiting. And like you said, seven, eight weeks pregnant, like that's two months that you've you know, been in this process. So you're, you're nearing that eight week ultrasound and kind of go in and what happens yeah it was a blade of ovum also and I at that point I knew like I was pretty convinced that that was what was happening um so it was I was just kind of numb about it and sad and um, this is all like, again, at an imaging center. So I've got like a different person every time it's, there's not a lot of, um, I emotion they're giving that. you. That's got to yeah. be so hard. Cause it's not like your doctor. Who's the one like you see constantly and can actually like sit down with you. It's just a, like a random person. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm grateful that they at least told me what was going on. They could have just said, oh, they'll have to call you. And then I would have had to wait longer. But at least they they did tell me. And But it, it was still super hard. Um, and then just your chemi- the chemicals in your body are all wacky. So then you're waiting for them to fall. And um, then you're given, you know, miscarriage options. And I had decided to just wait for it to happen naturally and stop all meds, um, but it never happened. <laughs> so I think it was like a week and a half, two weeks. Um, and then we had to do whatever that drug was. was uh-huh. So this soap, man, we have very parallel stories. Yeah, they say that blighted ovums are really hard to miscarry naturally because your body just from the beginning has continued to think that you're pregnant, um, and just keeps holding on to that gestational sac. We did that. We did Cytotec as well for ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good time. Terrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was the worst. I still, to this day, think it was probably one of the top three worst situations of the three years of in- miscarriages and infertility I went through. This was, hor- it was very painful for me. Yes, me too. And I, I was super nauseous. So whenever I would take a, a pain pill, I would like immediately throw it up. (laughs) I just remember running out of pain pills and it was on a Sunday and just thinking like, how much longer is this pain going to last? Cause like, I only have two pills left. I'm not going to die. Like, Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, it was, that was, the whole process sucked. Um, 
And that was your but last. I was happy to move on, I guess. That was your last embryo, right? So you yeah. were going to have yeah. to start over at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was very impatient. I was like wanting to start right away. And um, it took forever from my beta to go back down. Um, and I wanted, I was super in a hurry to start another cycle. So we did another round. That round was pretty terrible. It, my nurse was out of town. So I had a different nurse pretty much every day. And just the communication was really bad. Um, it, I was working and they would call me at like five o'clock to tell me that I needed to come in the next morning. And then I had to drive two and a half hours to go there. So I would be gone. I would basically miss a whole day of work every time I had to do monitoring. And they were pretty much having me come in like every day, even though I knew we weren't going to get much growth day to day. So it was just super very frustrating. Sure. Now was your job like accommodating or was that like a whole other issue in itself? No. Yeah. It's um a retail store and I was the manager luckily, so I could kind of work around it, but um I still had to figure out like staffing and coverage every time I was gone. So I would try to plan oh, this is when I think the retrieval would be. And then it would just never work out that time. So then I'd be like reshuffling things. So it was really difficult. Um, And so we got to the end of that round and did a retrieval. And I don't remember how many eggs we got, but we ended up with two embryos and we were doing a fresh transfer. So we transferred one. They were both blastocysts. that one didn't stick at all. It was just negative. And the other embryo, I got a call or probably a portal message. Um, <laughs> that passive, like a, aggr- that passive aggressiveness. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not a call. <laughs> On day, I think seven, that um, <clears throat> that, that embryo had like arrested and it it wasn't frozen and I was just pissed because now we had nothing um well I didn't know that at the time I didn't know that the transfer hadn't worked but I was just so upset that if it didn't work that we would have nothing um and then I didn't understand why they didn't freeze it on day five when it was a blastocyst and I could never get an answer as to why at some point they told me that it didn't meet the criteria from the clinic to be frozen but I just felt like why wasn't that a discussion the day of transfer why didn't we transfer both like why didn't we talk about that um and then later my nurse had told me that both of the embryos were the same grade and the same quality and I was really frustrated by that too because you trust these embryologists to transfer the best one and if there was no best one it just felt like there was a coin flip or something there just wasn't really any thought or communication about it to me um yeah I yeah I felt like the least in control during that phase too and I I wanted to kind of go back it sounds like so you've had the three transfers were all three of the the transfers fresh the second one with the bladed ovum was uh, frozen. frozen. A frozen transfer. Yeah, you know, I and I just for listeners that might not know the difference between fresh and frozen and kind of what happened in your situation. So like a fresh transfer is you you get the the egg and the sperm have created a blastocyst and they basically they never freeze it. They they transfer it what on day three or day five. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then we did day five day five. So in your situation, they transfer that one and then they just let the second one keep growing. That is just crazy. I'm shocked by that. And especially because there was no communication with you. Like, I feel like that's such a discussion, especially if the gradings were the same, they should have at least told you that like, okay, this is what's going on before they even transfer that embryo. 
Well, I'm sorry. That's yeah, I was. I was really mad about it because, yeah, it just felt like I had not had any control. And um, why didn't we just give them both a chance? Like, if I would have known that there was a possibility that they wouldn't freeze that and then it would just um, arrest, then I would have definitely wanted to transfer both. Sure. So, and then I never really got an answer about what was specifically like why it was a it was a blastocyst so what what did not meet the criteria it was a good graded embryo and I never they never gave me an answer and it just felt like it was an error like there was some sort of a mistake that nobody wanted to like own up to talk about yeah so which is so frustrating because you're like at the mercy of the clinic, the embryologist, like their standards. And it does change depending on which clinic you're at too. Like every clinic has, I know their like own little sheet of what they think is like a perfect embryo to be able to freeze or transfer. So mm-hmm. that's got to be so frustrating. Yeah, it was. So um, I had already been looking into a different clinic, which was um, CNY which is out of New York and they are like the affordable fertility clinic. It's crazy. Their IVF cycles are like under $5,000. Oh, let's talk about this. I feel like probably all of our listeners probably are so curious. I almost went there as well. So they're, they truly are under $5,000. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I paid for an IVF cycle, it was like 4,000 something. Total but it's in New yeah. York. <laughs> yeah, so you're, yeah. You're then travel, but so, still. Yeah, they have a clinic in Colorado. So that is the one that I went to. Where um, is it located? I'm sorry, I didn't even catch that. Where are oh, you? I'm in Washington State, like okay. the eastern side. So almost Idaho. Girl, it's early. I know. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, no, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. So you travel from Washington to Colorado. Oh, I'm so interested. I'd love to, yeah, keep going. I want to hear about CNY. I follow a lot of the physicians um, on Instagram from there. I'm hoping it was a good experience for you. Yes. So first round, I was just so impressed the communication was so clear and they always called when they were supposed to um it was actually kind of nice because it's east coast time so I would get called really early so I didn't have to wait all day um and they I I was worried because they wanted results early in the morning and I didn't know how that would work out but um I would just get 8 a.m appointments and try to go as early as I could and they always just worked with it regardless um but I remember that first round with them they um what happened sorry I lost my train of thought (laughs) it's a long story I only had one one follicle um growing so they had called me and said we have like one perfect follicle that's um, ready for trigger and it it was just like a night and day difference of the positivity around having one follicle like I had always been told you know oh you only have two like we might have to cancel even though I knew I would have two so just the fact that they kind of read a chart to see oh that's what we're expecting from this person um, and we're so positive about one instead of saying, oh, let's cancel, um, was a new experience. And so that round, I thought it was kind of crazy that we were going to do a retrieval and travel for one follicle, but we ended up doing it. So, um, and we ended up getting, I think, three or four eggs, actually, oh in that round. Yeah. And then I think we got two embryos out of that. And then we had decided to do PGT testing. Then um, because I was told that my eggs were probably 
not good quality as well as with the low AMH. Um, so they were probably just never normal and that's why nothing had worked. So I really, we really wanted to find out an answer to that. So um, one of the embryos ended up being normal. And so I was shocked. We were like that's really huge. surprised. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really yeah. huge. I, yeah. I mean, like to only have one follicle and still get two embryos. That's, I mean, I, I had like 20 follicles, only got nine eggs and only got one embryo. So it sounds like it's, it's like, it's, you it's never like, know. It's that's, what's so crazy about it. You like, have you no don't, idea. I love yeah. that CNY was really positive about that. So, okay. So you have the one embryo. I love that you PGT tested too. I think, especially after like a blighted ovum, they kind of start to say like, well, is it the quality? Yeah. Yeah. And at that point I had already um, been looking into donor eggs. Like I had been doing research and cause that's what the first clinic had uh, recommended. And so I was doing a lot of, um, like I was looking at donors and doing lots of emotional work on that side. So, um, before I fully moved on to that path, I wanted to, I just, that was like a big question that I needed answered was, were the embryos normal? Mm-hmm. So you got back that one and then, and I'm asked, is your husband allowed to come now to this clinic? Yeah, he was. Oh, that's good. So then you had the one and then did you go right into a transfer right after that? No. So we did um, another round with them and we, so we were planning two more rounds of one with them and then one with that clinic that I had gone to previously um so we did another cycle with them and we ended up we had a a lot of eggs that time I think like seven and then we only ended up with one embryo but that one was normal too so and then my experience too with CNY in the clinic was like the first time I went in for a retrieval I was expecting it to be kind of like a low budget experience yeah but it wasn't, it was, it was the same. It was the exact same um, so kind of setup and yeah. And I, you can tell from being there, like they're just so efficient and quick at what they do and just like a well-oiled machine. Whereas my other clinic had a really hard time ever getting my IV in. It was like a whole process. They, mm-hmm. you know, they've got somebody who's just like, no problem right in there (laughs) yeah so um so it was a really good experience overall and the travel was not I expected that those cycles to be really difficult traveling that far but it really wasn't um because I was allowed because I had to do monitoring locally so I didn't have to do the back and forth of hours every day I was, I, it would just take an hour. So it was really just the traveling for the retrieval. So it actually ended up being a little bit easier. Good. Um, yeah. Um, so then, so we had two normal embryos from those, and then we did another cycle with, um, my prior clinic just because it was local. And we had also decided to move forward with the donor eggs, like the beginning of the year. So I had found a donor who was connected to that clinic, like it was through that clinic. So I kind of felt like I had, um, I was stuck with them, I guess, for that. Okay, that makes sense. um, Yeah. And out with them where we would do a retrieval and then they would do the embryo creation of the donor embryos at the same time as mine and so that ended up being just like the cost of an IVF cycle instead of the cost of doing the donor oh that's so um, embryo creation that's so interesting I've never yeah heard that yeah 
Um, and I think you can do that pretty much anywhere because it's I, that round. I had one round through um, insurance. And so the way that they said that they build it, there was no way to do it charging for both things. They could only charge for the IVF cycle and then do them both at the same time. That's pretty cool. So then they took, so you got an egg retrieval as well. Do you remember how many eggs you got at that one? Yeah. Maybe five, five or four. Um, and then I ended up with three embryos from that one. And then we did PGT, um, but none of them were normal. So oh, I'm so sorry. It's so devastating. I'm sure. Yeah, it was. And the the donor ones one was normal and one was a mosaic um but that would, that was another whole thing they didn't at first when they called me and told me um the status of the normal or abnormal they didn't know which ones were mine and which ones were the donor and oh, so god that was sketchy what yeah. do you mean what I know. So the genetic counselor was just, she said, you have one normal one. And I had asked, what is it mine or, or the donor? And they didn't know. And she said she was going to get back to me and then nobody got back to me. So I had to go like a whole day waiting and then sent some portal messages again. And then I got a portal message back that just said the three abnormal were yours. I hope this is yeah. your last experience with this no, clinic. I, I cannot. <laughs> yeah. And I was just so shocked that nobody ever called me to be like, to say, you know, I'm sorry that the cycle didn't work out how you thought or anything. There was no, that. yeah, from my doctor or like a nurse or anybody. Or even so. the embryologist. Cause like for us, that's who always called us was the embryologist to let us know even then like what the results were, the PGT testing and everything. So gosh. Yeah. So um, I was happy that we had like the one normal one and the one mosaic, but obviously disappointed that none of mine had worked out. So um, that, so then we did after all of that, because we wanted to do all of these egg retrievals. And I guess I count the first cycle that got canceled as my first round. So I guess there's only five retrievals in there. And, and that, um, I'm hearing you say, it's kind of like you guys were doing like embryo banking in a sense before you just kept mm -hmm. transferring. Is that right? I know you transferred three, um, but then did you kind of just start to say like, we'll do two retrievals? Yeah. And I had been suspicious about endometriosis for a long time. And then I had heard that it's better to do the retrievals first, because then, you know, if they have to take something off of an ovary, um, you don't really know. I already had so few. So yeah, um, I didn't want to risk that. So we did a laparoscopy um, after all of those. Okay. And the doctor who had done that was at the like smaller local fertility clinic. Um, and he really thought it was a waste of time and that we weren't going to find anything, but we did, um, not like a whole lot, but, and he didn't, he didn't tell me like a stage or anything, but I thought it was pretty substantial of the pictures that he showed me. I, and this I is after what, like two, yeah, is this like two years after March, 2019? Like what, how far in are you before you identify this? Um, I, I guess the beginning of last year, I had really been, um, curious about it because there's so many people silent endometriosis and I had friends who had like they didn't know, they had no idea, no inclination. And then they had a laparoscopy and found out they had stage four. So that really freaked me out. And I didn't, I felt like we had done so much work to get the embryos. And if this was something that was bothering me, I just couldn't move forward. Yeah. Um, 
without checking it out. So I went into every right to do. Yeah, thinking that this was maybe going to be a waste of time. Um, but also it's like covered by insurance most of the time. I think I paid like $90 for it. Yeah. So. And if it's something that's going to give you like peace of mind to be like, okay, so it's not this, then I can move forward or it is this. And then it's like a fine that you, you know, all these years had no idea was an issue. I feel like it's totally worth it. Yeah. So there was quite, there was a little, a small amount, but more than I guess I had expected. And the doctor, when I had my follow-up, had said that he was surprised and um, he had thought that that was going to be something that could be helpful to me in the future with with the transfers. So I'm really glad I did it. Yeah, absolutely. So then after you had that, were you planning to still keep banking or were you guys like, okay, we have three like normal embryos, one mosaic, are we ready to transfer or what happened then? Yeah. Yeah. I had, when we started the beginning of last year with those retrievals, I had first said two and then later I had like pushed it to three retrievals. (laughs) So that was, that was it. I was like, okay, like we can't keep doing this like financially. So, um, I had kind of like set a cutoff limit for myself so um so yeah so then we moved into transfers and I had done an ERA the beginning of um last year too or the beginning of this year it's all a blur um and so it was pre-receptive where you need another 24 hours of um progesterone And so we did the transfer and we followed that guidance from the ERA and um, that transfer did not stick at all. So. Which I'm sure has got to be so, cause I'm like, okay, you find out you have some endometriosis. You're like, okay, that's out. So like, maybe this is just now the fix and it should work. And then to get those results, I'm sure you were like heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah. I was so frustrated and sad and I didn't know what to do. Like, what are we going to do next? Because we had done the ERA and uh, we had followed those results. So, so what now? Um, And honestly, through all of this, Instagram has helped me a lot with people online and what they're doing. Yeah, your Instagram yeah. is incredible. So is it, it's TTC baby, and then I'm going to spell your last name, L-E-M-K-E. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I just was doing it just to like document and like get my feelings out. But it's been great, just the community that you find through there and like all of the support you get. And then just like all of the new things that people are trying and um protocols and stuff like that because if you're at a clinic and they only do xyz you don't really know what else is out there yeah so i had seen online lots of people doing natural medicated protocols so i was like okay that's what we're gonna do because my lining is good when i do um stims basically and um then we don't have to worry about like the timing exactly so um and CNY was really great too because I called them and just said okay I want to do another transfer and I want to do this protocol and they were like well we don't do very many of those but okay sure (laughs) whatever you want that's great um they really like yeah they really let you drive the bus and they do a lot of immunology um, protocols too. But there was sometimes that I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And they're like, okay, you don't have to. Um, they were just very accommodating to whatever you wanted to do or not do. So um, anyway, they, they normally did them with letrozole. Um, but letrozole had not worked for me in the past to make me ovulate. 
So I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do like smaller doses of gondol. And they said, okay, sure, you can do that. So that's what we did with this last transfer. Um, and this transfer, uh, we just did it recently. It was just a couple weeks ago. Um, and I had been testing. I tested at like day six and day seven and they were negative. And I was just like, okay, this is it. Um, so I had given up and I had been doing like research on implementation failure and what I'm going to do and like really sulking and going crazy. Oh. And, um, and then I went and we did the beta and, oh, I was in Hawaii too. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> with my friend. So I had to go find the clinic and I was just like, this is such a waste of time. Wait, you did um, that clinic in Hawaii? Hawaii? Oh my gosh, hold on, sorry. <laughs> I just said that at the same time. Cause I didn't, I first did, I thought they called you while you were in Hawaii. I didn't think you found a clinic. No. Like I found a, a place to go get my blood drawn. Yeah. So, um, and then they had told me like they had to ship it out to another island or something. So to sign up for the portal so I can get the results. Are you in those portals? So I, I like, know, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's always better if you can get the blood work in a portal first and then you don't have to wait faster. for me to call you. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then it was positive. So, so are you so serious? Yeah, I was super shocked. It was low, but, and because I like, wasn't used to that clinic, that blood place. Um, I couldn't read it at first. Like it was showing the, you know, negative or less than five as negative. And I thought that like, that was the result. I was like, oh, okay. It's less than five that makes sense and then I like scrolled over and I was like oh, you're like wait a second <laughs> wait, wait 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 a second okay like I did okay hold on I'm so excited so you're still in Hawaii when you got the result did you tell your husband what happened <laughs> yeah I did and he's he's always like super excited and I'm always like much more guarded like I'm like well it's low so don't get your hopes up, you know? Um, and this was and just then, a few weeks ago or how long ago was this? This is like so recent. This is like la last week. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw you posted on December 4th that you were like, I think that was your, like, hey, we're going in for our last transfer or was that after it? That, that was the transfer, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so where are we at? You're back from Hawaii. What's going on? So, yeah. So then um, we did, I did another the second beta and it didn't double but it did rise so now I'm in you know the beta hall currently oh my um, gosh goodness yeah but um I don't know it's I'm trying to stay positive about it um we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll see how it ends it ends up oh my goodness so would you be so what are you like six weeks pregnant five and a half weeks pregnant I think like almost five almost five. Oh, my fingers are crossed for you and I feel you on the beta gosh oh. I, it's just yeah that's so rough especially when you've been through beta hell before and then you're like okay I'm here again when we uh yeah yes um but I I have lots of friends who have like low, low beta number stories. Oh yeah. Or like they didn't double. So I'm, I'm just holding on to hope with that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have a ton of people in, in the community that have started with a beta of like 30 and they've already, they've had their kids. Everything's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and then if that doesn't work, then we will move forward with our donor embryos. So oh, it's kind of wild. I didn't want to ask you if it was too personal. So the embryo that's oh. stuck right now was your uh, through your eggs. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Congratulations! And we always so we, Thank you, thank you. And we always wanted, we always want, still want two kids 
So I've always just said, like, if I could just, like, get one, that would be great. And then, you know, um, so the donor ones have always kind of been, like, for the future. They've never been, um, like, a backup plan. That's never how I've thought of it. It's always been a, um, I just think it's, like, such a beautiful path. And I do get a lot of people on online that I'm talking to about donor or that path and they make comments like, um, oh, I just like couldn't imagine giving up my genetics or um, never give up. I hate that. (laughs) I hate when people say never give up because it's really not giving up. It's a a different way. And, um, and I think it's like a, a more courageous way, really, because, you know, then you're, it's something that you're having to deal with forever, um, when you do do that path. And, you know, one of my friends said, when you're a mother, you're like, gonna give up anything for your kid, right? Like your leg, your um, kidney, just like, whatever, you would give them anything. So what's the difference in giving up your genetics? So true. Oh, I, that's beautiful. I wait, love that. I really, that's really full circle. And I've been really quiet because I was going to let Amanda speak on that since she has full experience. But. No, I just, I love, that is like, I honestly have chills. Just obviously I gave up my genetics and we have our son and that is just like, that's just so beautiful. I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing everything and we are rooting for you and we can't wait to totally stalk your Instagram and keep hearing your updates and everything. We love how you share everything on your Instagram, which is beautiful, by the way. So everyone needs to check it out because it's so, it's so pretty. Thank you. Yeah. And I love connecting with people um, that are going through it um, because I've been through a lot. So. you know, and I remember when it was fresh and new and when you're just beginning and how hard it is. So um, I just want to help other people navigate the sea of infertility. (laughs) Yeah, you're definitely a professional there. I mean, three and a half years, more retrievals than probably the average, average woman has to go through. So again, like Amanda said, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, I feel like you had some incredible advice to listeners. Is there anything else that you want to share with um, our guests before we wrap up? I think I'm good. Well, thanks again for being with us, Stevie. We really appreciate hearing your story.